Hey friends, welcome to Because She Chose. If you're a busy mom desiring consistency and growth in your relationship with God, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Camille McIntyre. In this show, we'll discover practical tips, find helpful resources, and interview amazing women as they share their stories on growing in their relationship with God. Thanks for joining in and listening. Hey, and welcome back to Because She Chose. I'm so glad you're here. You know, one of the most important things I learned in raising my three children was kids just don't come with a manual. Can I get an amen? There's so much pressure put on us as moms that we should be caring for them in a certain way to do everything perfectly. So boy, did I learn that following that road would only sabotage my self-esteem as a person and lead to utter discouragement because there is no perfect way to build a healthy family. But there is so much that the Bible teaches on how to build a strong foundation for one. So in this episode, I share what I learned along those bumps in the road as we grew our family while in ministry for the last 20 years. Thanks for listening in. I just wanted to take some time because this has been a, a tough weekend, not for any other reason, but the weightiness of what has been happening in the world and good friends of mine that have been just messaging me and saying that, you know, how do we deal with all of the things that are happening in the world? And then how are we able to shoulder that? And that burden of prayer, and then also be able to be a good mom, a good wife to our spouse, <laughs> to our husband. How do we do all those things? And I could see that so many things that are happening in the world are weighing heavily on so many of my good friends, prayer warriors, intercessors. And, you know, how do you now bring that into just stewarding the gift that God has given you as a mom and just to be able to hold on tight to your kids? And that's something that I think. I remember thinking when my kids were young, um, of course, my kids are older now, right? We just celebrated um, two birthdays this weekend, my son and my daughter, Andy and Ellie. So I'm looking at them now as adults. And I remember thinking, my God, when they were young, I remember thinking, yeah, this is a tough world we're living in. Am I preparing them well for it? It's a scary place, you know, and I don't know if it's worse today than when I was a kid. I remember thinking I would have a conversation with my husband about all the things that are happening. It's just crazy time. And I remember thinking when I was a kid in the 70s, I remember being online for that gas shortage with my father and watching people in front of us just sitting on the line for hours and hours and just thinking, you know, watching people fight and who was afraid of cutting in front of one another and who was going to, you know, I, I remember thinking, dad, let's get out of here, you know, but having to stay on that line, waiting for gas, thinking, hmm, if we run out of gas, what are we going to do then? And I just remember feeling that kind of destitution, if you will. And I'm thinking so many moms right now are thinking that right now I'm raising my kids to live in this world. The Bible says that the world is under the sway of the wicked one. And I'm not here to tell you and to discourage you. I'm here to encourage you. At the end, I really want to just pray for what's happening just around the world. So this is a heavy time for a lot of people. And I want to be respectful of that, respectful of the times. So we have hope, right? Because we are believers. And I want to convey that. I want to convey that, yes, we have hope as Christians. But this morning, when I, as I woke up, I just felt so heavy for our brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering. You know, we have advantages here in America that we have such blessing, such blessing to be able to freely worship God. Yesterday, we had our service out. You know, we live on the church grounds as the pastors here of the church, right? And 
on a sunny, beautiful day, we're able to be outside in our yard and we broadcast live on Facebook from the yard. And I remember just looking around during worship and looking at the beautiful faces of our beautiful church family and how happy they are to be with one another and worshiping. And I was just encouraging them. And someone said, like, I really needed this time. I needed to come and be with brothers and sisters in the faith and be encouraged and sing praise to God together and to hear other voices. And that encourages me. Listen, we need to encourage one another. I led prayer on Friday with our prayer team and I used Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And it talks about encouraging one another in the faith. And why was Paul saying to do that? Because he knew that at the time, as he was writing that epistle, that soon they would suffer great, great hardship. Jerusalem would fall and that was being prophesied at the time. And he knew that the church would be persecuted and dispersed throughout the nation. God had a greater purpose for that, of course, because as the church was being dispersed in the earth, right, all throughout the earth, they were carrying the gospel message. And that's how the church was established, you know, through the blood of martyrs, through hardship of the brethren. So after we're done speaking about family, I just want to take a little time, right? The encouragement needs encouragement sometimes. I feel that so many of you moms, like I said, I've been getting DMs of what's happening around the world and sending me videos. And I just want to end in prayer over what's happening in the world. So, but let me just give you some fun highlights right now and just to lift your spirits a little bit, because I love talking about, of course, my family, because <laughs> I'm proud of them. I'm proud of who they are, the types of people that my children are and are becoming you know, we've worked really hard for a really long time and trying to sow seeds of faith into their lives. And I, I know that we are seeing what we've sown, we've reaping the benefits of that. And I just want to share a little bit of that wisdom with you and welcome to the family, you know, because yes, this is our family and we are a nuclear family and we're a family of five, but we also believe that friends can become family as well. That's what we teach in our church. We teach that there is such a thing as an extended family. So back in ancient times, family was not just what we know as family today, which is just our children or grandparents as along with that. It was everyone in a household. It was servants. It was the servants' families. And they all lived together, maybe not in one small home, but they lived on grounds together and they did life together. Well, that's what we believe in our church, that we're not just a church. We really do believe and we teach that we're a family. And when one of us hurts, we all hurt. So we want to be there for one another. So my husband and I, we became the proud parents of a little girl. You know, we didn't know. We were like, now what? What do we do? Our children did not come with a manual. I'm always saying that. It was not easy. It was learning through a lot of uh, trial and error. And I didn't have a lot of help as far as my mom was had already passed. So I didn't have my mom. My mother-in-law was a great help to us. I, I looked to her as an example. I looked to my sister-in-law. She is and was a great mom of young kids. And I, I looked to so many other friends as we were raising our children together and we learned together. So yeah, we were like, now what? <laughs> you know, I think about the things that we did as um, young moms. So much pressure is put on us. And we're thinking, oh, we should try this because this book says that, you know, or maybe we should do this now because this thing is being taught as something new. 
there's nothing new under the sun. There's always differences. We should now put our babies on their sides. I remember when I had Ellie, I was like, should we put them on the back? What should we do? Like, don't put them on the stomach. So it's like times change, right? And so many of us that have adult children now, where we look back, and we're like, man, if we only knew <laughs> what we know today, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it because things are going to change. But God's timing was exact and perfect because I'm going to tell you a little bit about right before we had Ellie, I was pregnant. I had a miscarriage. We did not continue with that first pregnancy. And that was very tough. And we didn't know. We didn't know what was God going to do. I thought for sure, maybe I won't be able to have any children because I had lost the first. And it was a really tough time. But little did I know what God's timing was. You know, I I have that picture of the Incredibles because that's my family's favorite movie, (laughs) The Incredibles and Incredibles 2. And that movie resonates with us because we've learned how to come together and work as a team. It's not perfect. We're not perfect by any means. But let me tell you, when there is a problem in our household, oh boy, you better watch out because we come together, we're tight. It's like they say the mama bear, don't mess with the mama bear. Oh my goodness. There's a papa bear and the children are are little cubs. But let me tell you, they become adult sized bears when they become adults. And we just, we stick together through thick and thin. So we didn't really know what we were doing, but you know what God really did? You know, we realized that God was bringing us these living stones. The Bible says that we are living stones that God works with, right? He makes a building out of us, our lives. And I started to realize, man, we're making these little humans, <laughs> you know, even today, like when we were walking through the city yesterday, I look at my kids when they're walking in front of me, they're adults now, 24, 21 and 19. And I'm like, man, we made those humans. <laughs> you know, It's kind of funny when you think about it, but it's like, we made human beings. I thank God all the time. I'm like, thank you that you gave these gifts to us. And then I realized that Ellie was that next generation as as a Christian being born into a family that was raising her Christian. I, I was not raised Christian. My husband was not. As a child, I became a Christian. Maybe I was about eight or nine years old. My father, when I was older, about 13, he became saved and he realized he should be teaching us those ways. So I realized that when God was giving us these children, that they were born to be loved. When the Lord added the boys to our lives, they were in short succession. I mean, we had Andy, Ellie was um, a little three and a half, Andy was born. Then when Andy was 10 months old, I got pregnant with Aaron. And to be honest, I tell the story all the time. I didn't know if I wanted to have a third. I really was kind of sure I had the boy and the girl I had a matching set didn't want to have another any others but God knew exactly what we needed because surprise lo and behold we had Aaron and he is you know the drummer of our church now he blesses many people with his abilities and his talent he's playing since he was I don't know four you know Andy he is a guitarist and he's blessed our church for many years with being on our worship team you know And I think about what we did with our sons, you know, with all three of them, but in particular, our sons, you know, my husband would take them on trips and he would sew himself into them. They would go on, um, you know, baseball trips. That's their thing. They like to go see baseball games and things like that. One year he took them at this age on a week long trip and they went to different stadiums all across the U.S. And it really solidified them and their relationship. And, you know, like I remember thinking, gosh, we really don't know what we're doing. Because at the time, like I said, we didn't have a manual. We had books and we had the word, but we just kept on having to sew into them. But there they are. They're in our churchyard. They were very young. And my husband was 
water baptizing them. And they made that choice. We didn't say, hey, you guys, it's time for you to be baptized in, in water and make your uh, confession of faith in the Lord. They decided to do it on their own. They fully understood what they were doing. And they said, we choose Jesus. So, you know, we're, we're really proud of that, that we tried our best. We made a lot of mistakes along the way, but we really sowed Jesus into them. Now I ask them, you know, how do you look back on being PKs? PKs are preacher's kids. You know, how do you feel about uh, what it was like being raised in like a fishbowl and people looking at you all the time and, oh, yeah, they're the pastor's kids. And sometimes people put pressure on them and they're not perfect, you know, or, oh, look, these kids, they're doing wrong, you know. And I remember my son saying to me once, mom, I want to thank you for never putting on me what other people thought. Like it freed him to experiment with who he felt he was or was becoming. And it kept him still believing and having his faith in Christ. So it was a good example for him. And that's a hard lesson as a mom or a dad to learn that your children really are not yours. They've been lent to you. The Bible says Hannah's prayer, right? When she was given Samuel, she said, he's only been lent to me by the Lord. And she had to give him back, right? <laughs> he became one of the, the most premier prophets and she gave him back to God. He had to go back into Eli's care in the temple and he raised him. So I realized that like these really aren't my kids. I'm only on the short timeline going to instruct them and hopefully Hopefully everything that they're taught to them, they will not depart. That's what the scripture says that, you know, train your child up in the ways of the Lord. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's my prayer for my kids. So one of the things that I learned as they were aging, as they were growing, was that I needed to learn the love languages. Now there's a book that you can look up. It's Gary Chapman. It's the love languages. A lot of people apply them to your marriage, to your spouse. I applied them also to my children because I wanted to know what is their language? I wanted to be able to speak in their language to them. So Ellie's, my eldest child, her love language is really quality time, to be honest. You know, she has a little bit of words of affirmation, but for the most part, she needs you to sit there and spend time with her and look her in the face and listen to every word that she speaks. And sometimes that's hard because I, you can't get in a word and hedgewise, we, we kid about that with her, but that's what her needs are. So as I started realizing as they were getting older, I said, okay, how do I speak to her in her language? So I realized that I had to sit there and just listen. And that filled her love tank, so to speak. That's what Gary Chapman talks about. When you speak to people in their language, it makes them feel loved. So my son, my middle guy, is um, he's really physical touch. He's like his dad. He needs a hug every now and then. You know, he's also words of affirmation. That's a secondary so I've learned that that's what he needs. Sometimes he gets tired and he's cranky and he, he withdraws. But when I realize that, you know, I'll, I'll leave him alone, but there are times when he just needs a hug. He just needs me to be around him. And Aaron, <laughs> Aaron is a little bit of everything, but truly he's also, he could be physical touch and quality time. So as I realized that's what they were, I spoke to them in their language. If I spoke to them in my language, which is acts of service. My husband also calls it acts of slavery. They wouldn't understand my language. They wouldn't understand what I was saying to them because I've served, served, served my family. And then I feel I'm not appreciated in the things that I do. I don't feel loved. So when I'm sewing into them through their language, they feel loved. So it's a mutual thing. It's a back and forth. So that's a really important thing. And we learned to cherish every moment. I'm a big uh, memory maker. Christmas 
and we were cutting down our own tree and it was the first time we had done that. And I was like, okay, I really want to do this because it's going to make a memory. You know, I realized also that as we were raising our kids, it wasn't just giving up sleep because when they were little, when they were little, I used to think, oh my gosh, this is really hard. They need me all the time. It's a constant thing. They're constantly on me. I need to take care of them in every one of their, their physical needs. But then I realized as they got older, man, I really do need to, I'm going to be losing sleep because I'm going to be on my knees in the middle of the night. Sometimes when a child is out and late or not coming home, you know, they say the um, issues get bigger as they get bigger. And it's true. So I've learned I have to fight these battles, a lot of battles on my knees. It's not so much me teaching, teaching, teaching all the time anymore. I've taught as much as I can but I need to get on my knees in prayer for them because let me tell you, that's where the battle is won and lost. So we've learned to embrace the journey. You know, life really is never meant to be easy. And we learn from all the mistakes. We've made quite a few along the way. So I've also learned to enjoy the ride. It's hard. My husband and I have had difficulties with raising our children. There have been disagreements we've had. But we've learned to celebrate through even the best and the bad moments. So we support each other through all those hard times. Also, we learned we cannot worry. I've worried in the middle of the night, waiting for a child to come home. And that didn't get them home any sooner or any safer. So I've learned, Lord, they really truly are yours. I'm going to put them in your hands. So no matter how challenging these things are, are in our lives. I know that it will be worth it. I see such amazing things that God is doing in our children and he's still doing them. They're not perfect. They are still learning. They're still coming into who God has them to be. They're growing into who God wants them to be and what the purpose is that he has planned for them. And I know that it's not ever going to be ending. You know, I, I tell my kids, you know, just because you are going to be adults or you move out of the house or you may have children and families of your own, mom and dad will never stop worrying, but we will always put you in God's hands. So some of the takeaways that I feel are really important when you're raising your children and trying to raise a strong family is children, they need to feel secure and loved when they have strong and positive family relationships. There were times, like I said, we weren't perfect. We made a lot of mistakes, but those positive family relationships always helped us to resolve conflict. Let me tell you, sometimes I could be a yeller when my kids were little and my daughter would have these meltdowns and she'd say like, why do you have to yell so much, mom? And I had to learn how to not do that and communicate in a way that was not yelling, you know, and that's really hard to do as a mom when you lose your patience. So they needed positive reinforcement. So I learned to try to talk as much as possible. And then there came a time when my family will tell me, but you don't stop talking, mom. There's a point in time when you have to stop instructing. You have to learn when to curb. Okay, now the time is is for you to be quiet and to let us learn the lessons. That's a hard lesson to learn as a mama because you want to fix everything. You're a nurturer, right? You're a caregiver. You want to fix all the problems. And sometimes you just can't. And that third one is work hard to be that team. And, you know, we have to enjoy each other's company. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're tired and we're cranky and we act out at each other and we're not kind. And whenever that happens, we're like, listen, you know, we don't need to be this way. We're supposed to be loving. If we don't respect one another, who else are we going to respect? You know, we respect the people outside of our family. What good is that? You know, we're not respecting one another. So we've learned also one another's love languages. I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard to speak in somebody else's language. It doesn't come naturally to you. So those are some takeaways on just a little bit about how we raised our kids 
like I said, again, we're not perfect, nor do I think there are any perfect families, perfect parents. It's all a learning experience. I'm going to give you a few things that I really felt were helpful. This is preparing for adolescence. This was from uh, Dr. Dobson's Focus on the Family. These are tapes, so I don't even know how you get them now, but this is how old this is. I still have the box. So I brought this with me when my daughter was turning, I believe, I can't remember, 11 or 12. And what I did was I sat with them. There was booklets and I said, you know, you're becoming adults now and you need to learn and you need to know things that you didn't know as when you were a child. And this is going to help you. So I would sit with them. I took my daughter away and we sat and we listened to some of the tapes and we had the talk and we had all those kinds of things. And it just instructed them because I said, I want you to learn from me. You're going to learn from the street. You're going to learn from your friends. I realize that. I said, but I want you to know the truth from me. So that's one of the resources that I use that I found was very, very helpful. Another is Lisa Bevere, Girls with Swords. This is her manual and it comes with another book that you can read through. I'm telling you, one of the best resources of learning how to pray in a way that God is not only hearing you, but you feel like, yes, this is the way I feel like I'm using God's word well when I'm praying. That was a good book. This one, Bringing Up Boys, this is another Dobson book. It taught you the differences because I had, of course, my daughter first and then my sons. It was so helpful because it, it showed me as a mom how to treat them and how not to treat them, not to, to coddle them the way I would treat my daughter. You know, I wanted my sons to become men. I wanted them to learn what it was like to be masculine. And my husband is a very alpha male and very masculine. I wanted them to be around dad as much as possible. I wanted them, you know, getting in with him and getting hands on. I wanted wrestling. I wanted all of that. So that teaches you a little bit about that as a mother, how to treat your sons and how important it is. And the other one is boundaries with kids. This is Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. Henry Townsend. And um, it teaches you literally how to have boundaries with kids. You have to have boundaries. If you do not, that's dangerous because what happens is the kids rule. They think this world revolves around me. And then you're raising kids that are disrespectful to the world. So boundaries are really necessary. So I hope that those are all things that you can take away and I'll put them in the chat, those books and things like that. But I just want to pray. And this is a book called Operation World. It's a prayer guide for every nation. And I picked it up because I had it by my bedside for a long time. And this was the last copyright was in 2011. But when you come to the very first page is Afghanistan, of course. And it talks about answers to prayer that they had already been praying, the challenges for prayer for the people, because in the last 30 years, there had been such an upheaval of violence and the political situation. And my heart's very heavy for our brothers and sisters in the faith, because if you don't anything about what had been happening in Afghanistan over the last 10 years, the church was exploding. The gospel message was exploding Afghanistan. People were coming to Jesus in droves. So the people that are left behind now that the Taliban knows that they were saying they were Christians or were for just for freedom and working with the U.S., they are being martyred. So some of the things that it's saying is, I'm just going to read to you, it talks about the status of women, warrants prayer, because women, if you know anything, they, by the Taliban, their lives are very harsh. The believers, of course, as well, they are definitely suffering persecution. So pray for their safety and for their perseverance to stand in the face of persecution. Also, what's happening right now is if you know anything about what's happened, so much of the American weaponry that was there was left behind. So 
we need to be praying as a people against them being able to use those weapons against America. If you know anything about what happened in 9-11, most of that happened because there was evil that was being allowed to be fostered in these countries. So I just want to pray and if you'll join with me. So Father, you know exactly what is happening, Lord, all around the world. You know what's happening in our families. You know that there is much evil, Lord God. And your word says, and it actually, you wanted us to know, yes, there will be evil in this last day. But Father, this is also a time for your people to rise up and shine bright like the sun. That we here in in America and in the West, this behooves us, this is a burden that is on our shoulders to lift up our brothers and sisters in the faith, to call upon angelic hosts to protect your people that are still there. Lord, that your people will rise up, that the church that is asleep, Lord God, that we would not be asleep in the light, that we would begin to intercede in such powerful ways. Because Lord, if you understand what was happening, if what was happening in the ancient times when Paul was writing, and saying, you need to pray for one another. It was because of this very thing that he knew that they were going to be martyred. He knew the believers needed to come together in the faith and strengthen one another. So Father, we're asking that your angelic host would go and we pray for the believers that are still there, my Lord, that your angelic host would be in camps all around them. Lord, we don't know your will and your ways, but we also know that you have purpose in every single thing that you will turn everything around for good. So that's what I'm praying for, for today, that I don't know how you're going to work these situations. Your word says that you are the one that raises up kings and you put down kings, that you are in control of all things. Sometimes you allow things to happen, but why do you allow those things to happen so that your church would rise up in the last day and stand in faith and believe that you can still do great and mighty things. And that's what we're believing for, Lord. I lift up our family in the faith all across the world. And again, our mamas that are raising their children, Lord, that we would raise our children to be beacons of hope and light for you, my father. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We are raising world changers. So Lord, let us be able to instill that in our children. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Love, love, love. Much love to you. Blessings. Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of Because She Chose. I hope you found some encouragement and help to find time to grow in your faith. Let me know if today's episode resonated with you and send me a message on Instagram at Camille underscore McIntyre or at Because She Chose, also on my Facebook business page, Camille McIntyre. If you are loving what you are hearing, make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode and leave me a review and rating. Until next time, take care.